0: Here's an intro to precede the intro. The intro I recorded, I recorded in July of 2021, shortly after meeting Captain Seth for a boat ride. I just had the inspiration that this could be interesting, so I recorded it. The actual conversation that I had with Seth, I had in December of 2021. So I think somewhere in the intro I say something about last night or... Recently, It's not that recent, but anyway, hopefully it all makes sense now. I've often talked about the power of following your inklings or those things that are interesting to you that maybe you have no great reason as to why you're interested in them, but you're just interested in them, and so you follow them. So if we go back to, I believe it was 2014, through a series of following different inklings and interests around podcasting, I ended up at the very first podcast movement conference. I think there were 100 people there, 150. That conference is now ginormous. Uh, Anyway, at that conference, I met someone that told me about a podcast they like to listen to called Unstuckable, which was co-hosted by a guy named Stephen Worley, who now has a whole thing that he calls life skills that matter. It's very much about helping people start their own business and not work for companies and do their own thing. I reached out to him as a result of his podcast. We became friends. Fast forward a number of years. Stephen is in Portland, where I live, for the World Domination Summit, uh, affectionately known as WDS, and... Yes, I realized for some people that name sounds a little funny, but it's really about all about people that want to change the world and make it a better place. So in 2019, Stephen's holding a local workshop for, I think it was solopreneurs or starting your own business. And he invited me to come along and I sat in the back of the room and answered questions and chimed in and helped with his workshop and at the end of the workshop, I was approached by a guy named Seth Vore, who had a question about something that I had chimed in on. And we exchanged cards, and he told me that he ran this local thing called Portland Boat Tours, and, which involves taking his antique, it's a Chris Craft, it's a 1930-something Chris Craft motorboat, speedboat. No, it's not a speedboat. There's a difference between... It's a utility... Anyway, he has a special name for it. (laughs) And I learned all this the other night because me and my wife went on this amazing boat cruise on the Willamette River. None of this is possible, in my mind, if I don't go back seven, eight, nine years to connect the dots to these different things that I was interested in, that I pursued or just made myself open to or just got a little more more information or went to conferences or met people and had some hits and had some misses and yet again how would i have ever met this person i i can't think of how we would have met or how my wife and i would have had this amazing experience that we had the other night so speaking of amazing this seth is just fascinating to me so After going on this recent cruise and thinking more about his story, I thought, there's still more I want to know about this guy, and I bet it'll be interesting to others as well. So, here we go. All right. Welcome aboard, Captain Seth. Hi, John. Who is Seth Vore? Well, uh, there's a lot of different
1: answers to that. I guess uh, you introduced me as captain. So, uh, you know, one aspect is I am a boat captain. I I started uh, Portland Boat Tours here in Portland, Oregon, uh, about 10 years ago. Actually, we just celebrated this month, the 10-year anniversary of that endeavor. Um, That sprung out of uh, kind of a, a... uh, I want to say boredom, disgruntlement with my eight to five uh, career as a chemical engineer. And I wanted to do something cool and fun. And uh, one morning I was back out of the driveway and I thought, Hey, what would I rather be doing? What would I rather be going to rather than, uh, you know, this eight to five cubicle. And I thought, you know, I want to, I want to give tours on my wooden boat in downtown Portland. And so that's how I got uh, the name captain Seth. Uh, and I've been doing that for 10 years. I absolutely love it. You had the <laughs> opportunity to join me uh, on the river this summer and uh, and got to experience a little bit of that. But uh, I still absolutely love doing that. And um, so that's, uh, that's how I got the captain set. Uh, we, we've got big uh, hopes and dreams for uh, an even bigger boating uh, endeavor, which I'm sure we'll get
0: into. Yeah, but, I want to tell you uh, about that. Before we get there, what does a chemical engineer do?
1: Oh, lots of different things. So um, traditionally, chemical engineers are in big chemical plants, like petroleum refineries and pulp and paper mills, things like that. Uh, And then uh, more recently, in the last uh, maybe couple few decades, uh, they're involved in high tech manufacturing. So making computer chips, and uh, we're big in that in the the Pacific Northwest here. And so that's what I've spent my career of uh, almost 26 years doing is uh, creating chips for uh, your phones, your laptops, things like that.
0: Interesting. Interesting. And so you're backing out of your driveway and you're like, I'd like to do something with my wooden boat. Tell people about this wooden boat. Now, I think there's two of them. And I think I was on the second one. Is that right? Yes. Yeah.
1: So I had a a wooden boat. Uh, It it was an inexpensive one. My first um, kind of foray into uh, antique and classic boating. And uh, I purchased it for twenty five hundred bucks on Craigslist uh, with money that, uh, my grandmother left me after she passed. Uh, that was my inheritance from my, my grandmother. And, uh, I've always, I, I've had boats, but nothing fancy, nothing, uh, that, that really got me excited about it. So that was my first wooden boat. And, uh, I just loved being down on the Willamette river in downtown Portland, uh, cruising up and down, hanging out on the boat. Uh, when my kids were young, uh, 15 years ago, uh, is when I kind of started to, to think about uh, doing a, maybe a business with it. And uh, I did that because little kids, they like to be on the boat for like 10 minutes. Then they're too hot, too cold, too hungry, too <laughs> fidgety, too anything. And uh, I want to be there all day. And so, uh, with that original wooden boat, I, uh, I started Portland boat tours, uh, to scratch that itch of, uh, I want to be out there all day. I love sharing it with folks and, uh, answering questions about the wood boat and things like that. Uh, a few years into doing the business, uh, there was kind of just a, a, kind of a fluke happened. I was, uh, returning to the dock after some tours one night, uh, broad daylight right under the Ross Island bridge in downtown Portland. And I hit a submerged log, probably object, um, and uh, wasn't able to proceed with tours on that boat, uh, but thankfully, insurance—I uh, had good insurance—they they paid out the policy, and I was able to obtain kind of a, a, a rare boat. It's a 1939 that makes it pre-World War II Chris Kraft utility model. And that's the boat that I currently give tours on. Uh, it, I really fell uphill on that one. Uh, it's not a boat that I ever dreamed that I would be able to own. Uh, but through this crazy course of uh, life, I was able to acquire and just uh, really love and, and be the next caretaker of it.
0: And what is it about wooden boats? Oh, I get this question all
1: the time. And I don't know. There's something about the the history, the craftsmanship. Uh, the smell, uh, when, when the sun hits the varnish on a hot day, uh, you get this unique smell of a wooden boat. You smell the gas, the oil of the old, uh, pre-war engine that's still running on a six volt system. Uh, it just really combines to, to make that my happy place. The, the sun, the water, the, uh, the sights, the smells, the sounds, uh, just are, are unmatched in, in my opinion.
0: And do you know anything about what it is about the water? I don't. Um, I experienced that too. And I just thought, you know, I know it's one of the, the elements or the fire and water and whatever. But like, what is it about water?
1: I don't know. But I will tell you that uh, there is a state of relaxation that I get on or around water that I don't experience anywhere else in life. There's no, um, you know, I mean, people walk in the woods, they do this, they do that. Uh, I have just, in, in my life experience, I've not found the level of relaxation I get when I'm floating on water.
0: And is there something special about floating on the Willamette River that's different? Because that was magical. I've driven over across all the bridges and seen all that. But being on the Willamette, going underneath each of the bridges as the sun was setting, was like out of this world. Uh, to
1: me, it is uh, magical because it's the closest water to my home. And there's something about that, right? If You know, there's, there's one thing if you're, uh, you know, driving half a day's drive to a mountain lake somewhere and, and putting a boat in the water. Uh, that also comes with a, a pain in the butt factor for me of, of hitching up a trailer and, and going far from your home. Uh, it's my home waters. It's close to my home. And uh, the Willamette River. If you're not familiar with Portland, um, you know we're, we're kind of divided by the river. It's right in the middle of our town. We've got the east side of the river, the west side of the river, uh, joined by all these bridges that cross through. So it is really the heart of Portland, Oregon. And uh, you're always going over. If you if if you're doing business in Portland, you're it's weaving through your day to day, your week to week. And so I love sitting down there and watching humanity go by, you know, because I look up on the I-5 bridge, and I see a bunch of people stuck in rush hour traffic. And I've been that guy. But today, I'm not that guy. Today, I'm down here with some folks, you know, sharing a glass of wine, enjoying um, the river from a different perspective. And I just love that. And, And to see people light up, when they get to experience that for the first time maybe they've never been down on the river they've never been in a wooden boat whatever it is uh to see the smiles on other people's faces that's why i continue to do it i i am not a uh, cheesy tour guide i don't come by these historical facts of our of our town um by nature uh that's forced but when i see people really enjoying that experience uh is what really uh, makes me happy too
0: and I my wife and I completely hundred percent one hundred and ten percent had that experience, so yeah, that oh my What got you into boating?
1: yeah, so uh the the same grandmother that uh had left this inheritance to to allow me to purchase my first boat, uh Grandpa had a small like single wide trailer up on a lake in uh, Ohio. And I didn't go there very many times, but the the handful of times I did, I think I got my first tastes of that relaxation around water that uh, continues to this day. And so it wasn't fancy. Uh, it was a fun adventure. We would camp out in a tent uh, right next to you know their little trailer on the lake, but it was right there on the water. We'd fish. And I remember it being very special when we got to get in a boat. We didn't own a boat there. There was an aluminum rowboat around to be had, uh, but there was an old Boston whaler with an outboard and a steering wheel. And uh and that was owned by somebody just down the, the lake. And so when we were able to borrow that and, and leave the dock and go out on the water, uh, I remember that being a very special time. And so and that's from a really young age as a young boy uh having that, I think, is probably what sowed the seeds uh, and then the, the wooden boat thing, again, uh, my grandfather was a woodworker. My father was a woodworker uh, as hobbyists. And uh, I, I think I, I, carry some of that with me as well. I have a wood shop and and like working with my hands. Uh, These old wooden boats are not maintenance free, you know, and so they require tinkering, they require sanding and varnishing and and fixing. And uh, that's all part of the experience for me. I I really do enjoy uh, being a caretaker of these these boats as well.
0: So was there an intermediary step between this childhood experience and the wooden boat you bought and then started doing tours with or... Yeah,
1: uh, right out of college, uh, maybe ill-advised, but a few college buddies bought an old uh, a, an old sailboat on Craigslist, and uh, we had no business really sailing it or knowing what we were doing, and uh, and then we promptly decided to fix it up. Uh, it, and uh, we flipped it upside down in the basement. And, and essentially, we just went over there and drank beer and looked at the boat for a good couple of years. We we, uh, we ended up getting it fixed and, and, and sailing it a little bit on the Willamette there. Um, and then when I got married, then my wife slowly bought those other guys out of the boat and it was ours. And uh, uh, to be honest, I, I'm thankful that our marriage survived sailing in that little thing. Uh, we uh, just... We we didn't know the basics of, uh, you know, wind, when the wind would pick up and when it would die, uh, the current, like where obstructions are on the Willamette. We were pretty young, naive, and uh, we just hop in the boat and go, and sometimes it didn't end perfectly well.
0: That would, oh my gosh. I mean, I'm just thinking about (laughs) marriage in general and the arguments that we have at home. I cannot imagine, or like, typically we'll have arguments over like trying to fix something or like how should we, but I cannot imagine trying to go about, trying to manage a sailboat with all the other external forces and not knowing what you're doing. <laughs>
1: yep. And I bought uh, I bought a little outboard motor for it because wind was unreliable. And so I thought, well, this is the solution to that. But then, you know, I, I bought a motor that was unreliable. So when you needed it most, it would cut out on you. And uh, it was just, it was the whole experience. But somehow, uh, you know, our marriage has survived and actually boating has survived. So, uh a, a, another story about that first wooden boat I had it had an old uh, vintage uh mercury outboard motor on it and my wife's pregnant very pregnant with our daughter and uh, we're cruising down the Willamette uh, in a section we now fondly refer to as the Bermuda Triangle because that's where all the the bad stuff happens on on our boats anyway um and the motor cuts out overheats and uh, we're adrift and we we end up on a beach and we're just kind of there scratching our heads. And she turns to me probably recalling some of those sailboat times. And she says, I don't care what it takes, but we're not getting stranded in any of your boats anymore. I don't know how much money it is, but buy a new engine. Here you go. And I don't know very many, um, husbands that get a blank check like that to go, <laughs> you know, pursue their hobby. And so I promptly went down to the boat store and bought ourselves a brand new uh, outboard mode for that boat. And, uh, so, yes.
0: <laughs> but what I'm hearing here is that this is connecting all kinds of dots for me. What I'm hearing, though, is almost like a level of fearlessness that you and your wife had kind of from the beginning. Because one of the things like I love being on the water and being on boats. I was a ski boat driver completely on accident at a kid's camp in college, and I loved it. But I didn't know the first thing about All the like, I had to learn all the rules of like what it means to be on water and who has the right of way and all that. And then there's like all the safety stuff and like all that. And I've always kind of wanted to have a boat, but I'm just like, there's too much that could go wrong, and there's too much to know, and it's too overwhelming. And so, uh, yeah, I'll just keep thinking about it and never do it. Which is probably I probably need a coach or something. But um, (laughs) 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 but I'm seeing that theme. Is that true? Does that resonate?
1: Uh, yes i mean I, you, you make it sound um you know a little more romanticized than it is there's a lot of pain in, in there and and i don't think we would call ourselves uh you know kind of uh, fearless uh you know leap first kind of uh, people but uh in fact we're we're probably over planners overthinkers um uh, by nature for sure but um but yeah uh, especially with with a lot of the things that we embark on there's there is an unknown and uh and just something that causes you to to leap into that space and, and to just go for it anyway.
0: And so the, this is, I love the buildup to where we're going here, or where I think we're going, but who knows? I think when I was like researching the Portland boat tour thing, I was on your website and I ended up on, I ended up on something around like you were on the Dave Ramsey show doing the debt-free scream and you debt free like. That's a and that was like some time ago, wasn't it? That's was about
1: 15 years ago now.
0: That was before it was cool, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was. So, how did you embark on that journey of like, yeah, we're just going to get debt free 15 years ago?
1: Well, we had mentioned, I mentioned that uh, I've been employed in the um, the high tech industry as a chemical engineer and uh around that time there there's this boom and bust cycle that goes on in that industry. And what you see is this mass layoffs and then there's boom time and everybody gets hired and there's, you know, people move around from company to company and then then we don't learn our lessons and the same thing happens again. And so I saw a lot of really good people that had planned pretty poorly, like really smart people, right. That had financial means beyond what I had that would get blindsided by these cycles and get laid off and then they're out of work and they have to make pretty uh, heart-wrenching decisions uh, for their family where they, you know, they need to move to Texas at the drop of a hat just to get the paycheck to continue to, to do, you know, life and, uh, or, or, you know, losing their house uh, because they didn't get the next job quick enough and, and this kind of thing. And I, I saw my, my own father go through that. Uh, he was also in high tech. And uh, growing up, we did a lot of moving around. I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, We lived in Texas for a time, back to Ohio, Alabama, and then moved here to to Oregon. And so part of me said, I don't want to be subject to uh, the whims of the market or the guy that's going to lay me off. I want to be independent of that. And the path I see to do that is to become uh, debt-free so that uh, that next paycheck that comes in isn't, you know, going to everybody else. That's something that that I can keep and save and prepare for a rainy day. And that's what really got me started doing that. Um, but the real impetus for it was uh, when we wanted to have kids, uh, my wife and I were both working full time as chemical engineers in high tech, uh, kind of putting all our eggs in that one basket and thought uh we we really we really value having her stay home and uh, raise our kids. We want a stay at home mom. She desired that I desired that uh, we just had no way to um uh, to make ends meet and and have that work. and so we thought, well we need to clean this up uh, one of our entire paychecks was going to just servicing all the debt that we had and and that's not uncommon i mean this is uh you know how america is but we had two car payments we had student loan we had a mortgage a second mortgage and it was all kind of weighing us down and keeping us both uh, uh fully employed and, and unable to pivot and do anything that we really wanted to do, like stay home with kids and things. And so we got started and we started on Dave's plan and we, we got gazelle intense at paying off those debts. Uh, and we did, and we, we stayed on it. And uh, one of his later baby steps is paying off your house. And so uh, we did that. We got uh, really intense about getting completely free of debt. Uh, and we were able to do that. And uh, it's uh, it's an interesting story story, uh, because shortly thereafter, after we were completely debt-free, house and everything, uh, I was diagnosed with cancer. And wow. I, I was taken out of the workforce, not by uh, a layoff, like, you know, we were looking over our shoulder coming, uh, but by my own health. And uh, and it was a, a tough one. It was stage four uh, lymphoma. Uh, and it, uh, had we not been debt-free, I had two young kids at the time, uh, had we not been debt-free... I. I I, of course, you're going to worry about your health. But uh, as the provider for my family, at that point, I, I would have been terrified at um, the provision for my family. If, if there were bills coming due, if I was worried about losing the house, all of those things, in addition to uh, trying to fight uh, a cancer battle, uh, I don't know how I would have gotten through that. And so uh, being debt-free uh, allowed me the the space and uh, mental capacity to fight cancer and uh, not have that peace to worry about. I returned to work when I could return to work. I, I logged hours when I could log hours and my body let me do that. But uh, it would have been a completely different story had, had we had payments due. And so um, that was really not what we were preparing for, but uh, it turned out to be a huge blessing uh, as a result of that. Wow.
0: So where has all where does all that stand now?
1: So I am eight years in remission. So they don't really throw around cure for lymphoma often. So we don't um, say it's cured, but it's as close to cured as as you can get. Um, so I'm very thankful um, for uh, the the medical professionals that helped me through that. And uh, you know, there's just an aspect of Uh, faith and God's provision that showed up in that season of my life that I cannot explain any other way. Uh, And, uh, you know, very thankful for my family and their support and and everybody that kind of came around us and and walked through that season with us.
0: Wow. So how long were you not working before you were back to full time? I
1: was on chemo for six
0: months. And so I don't exactly
1: remember how long that I was out, out versus I was showing up and I was just a ghost of a person, you know, um, there and not as, you know, useful and functional. And I, I still work for the same boss that I had at that time. We both changed companies and I continue to work for him, but um, he was very gracious in that time because, you know, as an engineer, you're a problem solver. It tends to be high stress, high speed. And I know I was junk. I was useless, (laughs) Um, but I was clawing my way back. And to have some kind of normalcy where I would, I would show up and try, uh, and I still don't think I'm as sharp as I, as I once was. I, I think um, cancer has taken a lot out of me. It's, it's changed me. Talk a, a little more about uh, some other aspects, but, um, but yeah, for about six months I was on chemo. And so whether I was physically there or, uh, you know, chemo would dose would take me out for you know, like a week and I would come back in and I'd be, you know, half days or sick or, um, you know, n- not as functional uh, at the job. And then, um, and then eventually got back to, being a hundred percent there and full time, but
0: yeah. I've heard other people say that about cancer. How, what would you say in terms of how it's changed you?
1: Well, uh, and this was a question I got a lot in like, maybe like the first year post-cancer, uh, or, or, second year is a lot of people were asking, well, what are you going to do now? What, what's the next big thing? Like, you, you know, how has it changed you? And like, you you've always been kind of a dreamer. You started this boat tour company and things. So you're you're already a little bit cuckoo in our books. So this has got to do something, <laughs> you know, big and profound. And my answer then was really, I just desire to get back to normal, just back to life as as normal. And that was really my goal for a few years uh, was to just re-engage with the life I had, to, to put cancer in the rearview mirror and to be a father. Uh, be a provider and do the things I was doing, and so that was really the focus of the first part. Uh, I think cancer and this debt-free journey kind of gave me and 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 valuing my kids and uh, seeing how much they grew up during that time. Uh, it gave me kind of the why of some of our future adventures here. It's, uh, we, we didn't necessarily know the what, like when people would ask, well, what are you going to do now? I didn't know the what, but I, but I knew a why the why was I've been blessed with this life. I'm, you know, I could have been toast eight years ago. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I'm, I'm prepared for something and it's not showing up on Monday morning and, and hitting the cubicle. Um, and, it, and the why is, you know, I've got children under my roof here that have been witness to this uh, amazing gift of life. They, you know, they fought cancer with me. And uh, so there's the why is is I've got kids. I've got this blessing of life. None of that is is guaranteed. You don't know uh, when cancer comes back or whatever health thing is coming your way. And um, but we didn't know the what and a few years ago, we learned about this um, big boating trip uh, called the Great Loop, and that became our what. Uh, so, in those in the first years, when I wasn't able to answer the the what, uh, now I can, and that is this uh, six thousand mile, year long um, boat trip where our family of four is going to spend. Close knit connection time uh, on a boat circumnavigating the the eastern part of the United States and uh, soak in the different cultures and history and geography and just adventures uh, that that has to offer and uh, you know we're able to do that because of my good health because of debt freedom uh, allowing us to financially do it uh, and uh, the t- the desire to to answer that. That why of, um, you know, it's one of the things that um, I've kind of carried with me here recently is that you can always make more money, but you can't make more time, especially time mm-hmm. with your children, and you can't buy yourself better health. And so uh, what, what we intend to do here in this next year is to, to embark on this grand adventure uh, to really embrace that and spend the time with our kids while they're still kids, while they're under our roof, uh, and to, and while I have good health.
0: When does this start?
1: Six months. Six months from uh, around now.
0: So ju- June? Yeah,
1: beginning of June. Yeah.
0: June 2022. Yep. What will happen then?
1: We are gonna move from Portland, Oregon. We're gonna rent out our house here and uh, we will move on to a boat. And uh, we are actively, uh, aggressively boat shopping for this trip. Uh, We hope to buy a boat in the Great Lakes area and uh, move on to it in June and explore the Great Lakes during the summer and uh, provision the boat, fix stuff that needs to be fixed on the boat, whatever, learn it and then in uh, around Labor Day, you start descending down the Mississippi River from Chicago. And so that's kind of uh, the beginning of the actual journey part of the trip. Uh, We descend down the uh, river system through the Mississippi River and uh, Tennessee-Tom Bigby Waterway. We pop out at uh, Mobile, Alabama around Thanksgiving time and uh, across the Gulf of Mexico uh, over to the west coast of Florida. Uh, We spend the winter in Florida, the Keys, Bahamas, uh and then in the springtime we uh spring up the East Coast, the Atlantic Intercoastal Waterway, stopping all the cool cities along the way and Washington, DC, and showing the kids the sites there and museums and everything. Uh we hit New York City around uh June, uh maybe July, and uh continue up the Hudson River to the Erie Canal and then take the Erie Canal through a bunch of locks over back to the Great Lakes, and then spend the following summer um probably through Canada if we're open by then uh, and uh, back to Chicago uh, late summer and then uh, sell the boat where it sits at that time and then move back to Portland to, into our home. So amazing.
0: Six... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this Looks like a whole nother world. So what kind of a boat do you buy? And like that, like I'm thinking like, is this a lot of money? Is this like what, like yeah, so uh, <laughs> for the uninitiated, like what does this even look like? <laughs>
1: right, yeah. So, uh, like I mentioned, we're a family of four, so we'll have two okay. teenagers at that time, thirteen and, and fifteen, and so we want everybody to have their own space. A year crammed in some place where you can't sleep in your own separate space or go read a book and escape the rest of the family, uh, was, was a priority. So that's, that's number one in our selection criteria that puts us in about a uh, 44 to 50 foot boat. And so that's kind of what we're shopping for.
0: Is that a big boat? Like I don't know anything about it's a
1: pretty big boat. It would be called a yacht for sure. And uh, yeah. It's not a super it,
0: yacht though. Not a super you yacht. The co- you don't have the helipad or the, the extra boat that you drop <laughs> in the water. No.
1: We, we will have an extra boat we drop in the water, the dinghy, but it will it will be uh, like a raft style, not a uh yeah.
0: <laughs> a blow up rubber raft. <laughs> right.
1: But uh, yeah, and, uh, and and boats. Uh, well, the, the the market because of COVID and everything else. Like like a lot of Ooh. things in this world these days. Yeah, it's um, you know real estate prices are, are crazy and the market's crazy. Um, technology uh for cars and boats you know is in short supply too so uh a lot of people are holding on to their older boats uh which is what you know we're we're still by the Dave Ramsey plan we're not taking out a loan to buy this yacht we okay. have been saving our cash uh for the last 3 years we've been planning this and so we're ready to to pay cash for a boat it puts us somewhere in the like 150 to 200,000 uh, dollars range for buying this boat and um considerations other than the three state rooms that we want for to separate our family and and have us not kill each other on the boat, uh, (laughs) is, uh, we, we want, uh, we want something we can resell at the end. So if we buy something that's more my speed, which is, you know, antique and classic and wood and, and that kind of thing, there's a particular market for that. And it doesn't tend to be super hot and a super fast market. So like I said, we want to sell this boat when we're done with our year journey, pass it on to the next caretakers and they, they'll go around the loop and, and do their own journey. Uh, but we need it to move kind of quickly because we want to have all that money tied up Um in a boat that's just going to sit in winter storage in the Great Lakes for however many seasons, uh, looking for just the right buyer. So, um, whereas we'd prefer maybe a, a, an antique or classic uh, yacht, this will be a, a more modern something that uh, you know other people would really desire and, and value. So.
0: And I think you have a YouTube channel or something where you look at boats or something.
1: We do. Yeah. So uh, every Friday night, we pour a couple of drinks. We go through uh, Yacht World, which is the Craigslist of of boats. And we go uh, looking for a great loop boat. and We review them. We talk about them. We're building a a community there of folks. I'm convinced now that uh, we will find our boat, probably not through an ad like that, but through someone that watches our channel and really uh, cares for us. We we get... weekly emails multiples of people hey look at this boat look at that boat hey would this one be good for you um and so i think it's those connections that'll probably result in one us buying the boat and then also uh we intend to continue the youtube channel um through our journey and so we'll probably sell the boat that way as well people will come along and and see what they like about you know our boat and, and how it has adventured and served us, and then um, make it easier for us to, to sell at the end too. So uh, you mentioned, you know, stepping into this unknown. This is a big one, right? To, to yes. show that, that much money and 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 commitment. And you know, is it going to break? Is it a good boat? Is it a bad boat? And can I sell it? I'm going to be stuck with this thing. And uh, remote boat owners from the other side of the country. And uh, that's one of those things. We're just going to have to take that leap. And um, you know. Uh, I, I think our community will help us out in in both buying the boat and selling the boat.
0: So, how did you start this? Because I'm sure people listening are like, "Yeah, okay, well, he must have had some silver spoon in his mouth or some easy way to do this." But I don't think that's the answer. Like, how how did you get this thing started?
1: Um, for, for, for the
0: YouTube channel, or just because yes, yeah. it sounds like that's where the community is. Yeah, is people that watch your videos that are now like becoming your friends and helping you out. Yeah, it's uh.
1: We yeah we have no idea what we're doing. We started uh you know one one of the, the we, we it kind of was a covid project really. It was you know we're stuck in the house, we're quarantining around here. We're going to pull up Yacht World and go try to click through and see what we like and don't like and 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 what kind of boat and dream. And so if if we're liking that and and doing that on you know a weekly basis anyway, well, why don't we just turn on the camera and uh film it and and see. We we thought about we would we would have a YouTube channel once we started this trip because it's, it's an inspiring trip. It's for, you know, for the, for the people like me the last few years that have been sitting in a cubicle that uh, want to dream of more, whether, whether your adventure is a boating adventure a hiking adventure, a European adventure, whatever it is for you and your family. Uh, I want to inspire other people. So if, if other people are, are, are kind of stuck and um, I, I want to provide something that's an inspiration. And so uh we knew we wanted to do a YouTube channel then, but knowing that we didn't know what we were doing, we thought, well, let's start early. And if it's just our moms watching every Friday night, then that's good enough. You know, we'll, we'll get the, the kinks worked out on the tech and the I love camera and the, this and the, that. And we just started putting it out there and building that community. And so, um, it's not like the most viral, uh, biggest moneymaker. I spend more on the music I play in the backgrounds than we make in, in ad revenue. But, uh, but it has been uh, a blessing to connect with folks and uh, have them be interested in our story too. And some of the conversations that come out of that center around debt freedom and my cancer story and um, you connect on ways that are not just boats but um, real people with real stories and struggles and you know one of the things that was really heartwarming for me we went to a conference uh, for this big great loop thing and so it's uh, real people that have been locked down in COVID for two years getting together to talk about the route and the boats and you get to go on people's boats and kind of go boat shopping in, in real life instead of just on Craigslist kind of thing. And the number of people like our audience is not huge, but the number of people that came up to us and said, Hey, I've seen you on YouTube. Just want to let you know, um, you know, appreciate what you're doing. We're facing some of the same struggles in the boat market right now. Um, you know, it was kind of like the comment section of our channel came alive and, you know, we're waiting in line for food one night and a guy comes over and says, Hey, you should check out this boat. And that's the exact kind of thing that shows up in the comments, but it was in real actual life. And, and this is amazing. It was terrific. Awesome. It was
0: really wonderful. So you, you start looking at boats on Friday nights and you're just like, we'll record it and we'll just post it to YouTube. Yep. And that's all you did. And then over time people start watching, commenting.
1: Yeah. And, and our hope is that, um, you know, as we as we depart and we start filming, you know, this is what we did this week. We you know, we pulled in up. The, we, we went up the Potomac and we anchored right off of Washington, D.C. And then we went and we toured this and this and this uh, that people will tune in and they'll they'll kind of, you know, be inspired and they'll, you know, it, it, we don't aspire to be travel vloggers or, 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 you know, if you're, if you're going to DC, this is all the, all the things you should do. That's not really who we are. I don't think that would get us up out of bed in the morning or or it's not worth the the effort on the, the, just the, the hours you put into YouTube. But, uh, you know, if we inspire people to, um, you know, get out of the rat race and enjoy time with your kids while they're kids. Uh, to to you know, dream big and you know, get out of debt so that you can go accomplish your dreams. Those kinds of things that's what kind of excites us and it's working and we're, we're just making boring boat shopping videos. So when we add some real life to it and there's a drone flying over the boat and we're taking pictures, you know, in front of the statue of Liberty as we go by in our own boat that we paid cash for uh, man, if that doesn't get somebody excited, then uh, I don't know. what will.
0: Wow. I had another thought. It just escaped me. I don't know. Maybe I'll we'll come back to it. Do you have, do you, do you have any regrets? For becoming debt free,
1: absolutely not. No, it's any downsides or any like,
0: oh, I wish I'd known this was going to (laughs) happen.
1: Well, uh, uh, it's small, it's small, funny stuff. But uh, we uh, we sold everything that we could that wasn't bolted down at our house uh, to get out of debt. Like those last couple of mortgage payments where we were so close. Any dollar, I, I would just you know list something on Craigslist and get it gone. I just we were so close to the finish line that I really wanted to to just be done. And so one day we were, I was in the in the uh, back room, and I, I you know I was we're watching a movie or something, and I I, I think the the surround sound speaker wasn't working. It, it just I wasn't getting any sound out of it. I went back and it had never been connected. Like the whole time we had you know moved and lived in this house many many years um the two back speakers were never hooked up they just been sitting there and so i said well we we haven't really missed it other than today for that long i'm gonna put those speakers on on Craigslist, and i did and the next guy day i got and they were nice but the next day a guy biked up with a big backpack and he put those speakers in his backpack and he rode off with my 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 two back surround sound speakers and uh that was the one thing I sold that I was just like, did that make any sense to to do that? Like it it didn't really move the needle enough to make a big difference, but I I haven't missed the the surround sound. And I, but, but I, I I hold that one as an example of um, kind of the links that, that we went to, to, to just be gazelle intense and to, to dump that debt. And, uh, you know, I can buy surround sound speakers now. I can buy a whole new surround sound setup. I haven't. Our values are in different places than than we were when we first got that, you know, kick butt stereo. But um, no, no regrets uh, about being debt free. And the beauty, beautiful thing is, if there's regrets, um, you can always get more debt. You know, <laughs> that's a that's a re- re- reversible. It's, thing. Always,
0: it's always available. <laughs> yes. So when you're on this boat, I'm making up a story that you're not going to be like remote. You won't be a remote chemical engineer on your satellite uplink. Right. So what will happen to your job?
1: So um, retire early. Uh, That's uh, so our our YouTube channel. Our website is on fire family uh, fire F I R E. So uh, FI F I financial independence and R E retire early, and this is a you know a, a movement I think uh, over the last decade that you've seen um, big community out there, lots of books on it, lots of bloggers, lots of channels and things. Um, but this is really uh, fire is really the answer to um, what do you do after Dave Ramsey? What do you do when you've completed his baby steps? You're debt free, um, you're you're giving and saving and and living like no one else, as he would say. Um, fire to me is the answer, and that is becoming completely financially independent where your investments are, um, maybe not enough to live a lavish lifestyle, but enough to make ends meet, uh, and that allows you to, to hang up any, um, day job that is not fulfilling to you. And so that's my, my goal is to retire early. So in six months I will be retired from chemical engineering, not retired necessarily from work forever. Um, you know, we have enough saved to throw off, um, interest to be able to pay our basic uh, expense, especially not having a mortgage payment and things like this. Um, but then that frees my mental capacity and my hours a day to do fun things and, uh, things that matter. So, um, we'll, we'll have our YouTube channel and it's, uh, you know, vast marketing, uh, piece, but, uh, but allows us to do other fun things. So I, uh, I am now a social media guy for the Antique and Classic Boat Society, a nonprofit that uh, is trying to get people excited about these old boats. And uh, they've struggled in the social media area because the average age of a member of the the society is in the seventy plus range, and so they don't do Instagram, they don't do Facebook. <laughs> and uh, so I'm able to help out. Whereas normally I would say, you know, no, I. I you know, I'm a full-time engineer and I got this and this and this. And, um, so it's, it's far less about, uh, income and more about making a difference and doing passion projects and things that you're interested in. So yes, I intend to, to retire from chemical engineering, not from the work world in, in its entirety, but to, to piece together, um, kind of a portfolio of activities that, may make an income that makes sense to some folks, maybe doesn't, maybe operate at a loss. My, my, you know, for example, my Portland boat tours. Um, yeah. What will happen to it? it uh, it's going to idle for the two summers that will be gone. And then I, I enjoy it so much that I, you know, I'll fire it back up um, when, when we get back. Um, but that thing has never really made money. It's never really necessarily been about making money. It's um, the enjoyment of doing that and, and having that, um, available to people and, and, you know, sharing a passion with them. And um, so this antique classic boat, you know, nonprofit job is an extension of that kind of outreach where, you know, if I'm on the Willamette river, seeing a smile on your face, as you see Portland from the water, uh, this allows me to do that. But in an international um, audience on Instagram or Facebook, where, you know, somebody sees a picture of a wooden boat on a beautiful waterway and sunset and is like, Wow, that might be something I would be interested interested in someday. Uh, and so, yeah, I think retiring early allows me to do things like that that uh, I wouldn't have the capacity to do uh, if I'm fully employed and in the rat race.
0: And this is fully. Re- this isn't a leave of like a long term leave of absence or anything. This is like you are no longer employed. Yeah, officially employed by an employer. Right. Correct.
1: Yeah, and and that's how we. Uh, kind of met i didn't know i didn't know this was my plan (laughs) but uh the uh the workshop that that i was in where we were able to connect yes uh, was i was sitting there scared that um you can't possibly have that you can't quit your job because you need your job for health insurance and you need your job for um For for like retirement accounts, you need your job for the stability and all these things, and those fears were were really bouncing around in my head. And that's what put me in that seat in um, in that workshop was uh, I don't know how all these things uh, um, might work. I I know I don't want to be where I am, but I don't know. I'm 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 scared to make any kind of a leap. Uh, And and that was a great workshop for that.
0: So wait, in that so at that point in time, were you debt free? Or like, where were you in this arc of?
1: Yeah, I was debt free. Uh, I knew the why of a big family adventure, but I didn't know the what. So we didn't have great loop plans. We didn't have a timeline associated with that. We were just kind of, it was an inflection point where I was a little bit stuck. I just didn't know what was next. I'd survived cancer. I was ready for the next thing. I didn't know what it exactly was.
0: Oh, so you were debt-free, but you weren't really on the retire early part of it yet.
1: Well, I would, I actually, I, I was uh, at that point interested in the retire early. I just didn't know what I would do. Um, I, 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 just, I was done, done with the eight to five um, and, and on a financial track to get there, but I didn't know what, what next and so that's, yeah. And, or how, like,
0: yeah, but I guess I was also hearing you say, which I hear from so many people, uh, I have to stay connected to a company because without that company connection, I, I can't live or I can't survive.
1: Yeah. And those fears still pop back in my head, like al- almost weekly, like really you're going to retire in six months. Like you're, you're, you know, you're, you're not uh, Medicare age. You're not even close. What are you going to do that? You can't, you can't, you can't do it, you know, or, uh, you know, it, it helps me to tell myself it's reversible. You can always go get another job. You know, there, there are jobs, uh, even in a tight market, there are jobs. And so, uh, yeah, telling myself that and then having the, um, you know, there's little pieces and, and bits that you assemble over, a, you know, a long time of uh, listening to inspiring people and, and talking to people that have done it that, you know, give me confidence that uh, th- this is achievable. This is, you know, this is not... Uh, neglecting that, that was a, a, a kind of a bad soundtrack I had in my head was uh, y- you know you're neglecting your duties as a, a provider and a father uh, if you don't have health insurance employer provided and um, that's something I've really struggled and wrestled with and uh, it's just not the case there's uh, there's insurance options
0: yeah so how will you cross that bridge because that is a question that I had and everyone has is like you have yeah like you're saying you have to have an employer to have health insurance. And there's probably some way that some people do it, but it's too hard to figure out. So what's what's your plan there?
1: Yeah, so um, there are a number of options for early retirees. Tons of blog posts on it. Um, we're we're down to a couple of different options. One is uh, uh, Health Share Ministries, um, and then the other is the Affordable Care Act. So, uh, what happens when you retire early, you're, um, you have no income, <laughs> you no income. you're adjusted gross income. Drops. income. <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what the nonprofit pays, but, um, it, it's uh, minimal. And so, uh, ACA subsidies kick in and make it actually very affordable. So it's not, uh, it's not like my father experienced, which I think is where I get a lot of these soundtracks that play in my head. Like, no, you, you can't because, in his day, you couldn't. It was employer-paid health insurance. You could not have a gap in insurance. You, you know, if you left a job, you paid Cobra until you got your next job. It makes you, um, you know, at the at the whim of um, you know having to chase sometimes poor options to go get another job in a different geography or or what or maybe something you're not not in love with just to, to maintain that, that coverage. And that's just not the world we live in anymore. Um, it's still leaping into the unknown, you know, uh, and especially as a cancer survivor, it it does weigh on me because, uh, if anything were to happen again, uh, I would want to have access to to good healthcare right away and, and jump on it. Yeah. But from all the reading I've done, all the research we've done, um, I think we're we're in a good position to to have good coverage, uh, not only for the the year we're gone, but then once we return here.
0: Right, amazing. So, where can people? Uh, well, I want people to find everything that they want to find about you. So, in terms of well, the Portland Boat Tours itself. It's December yeah. as we're recording this. Are those still going on, or are those in hibernation? No,
1: <laughs> yep, yeah. in hibernation. The boats put away for the year. Um, it's, uh, yeah. And it, we will not be firing up this spring because hopefully we'll be moving to the Great Lakes onto a yacht. So, okay. um, so hit me up after our loop, uh, and, uh, I'll, I'll give you a tour of, uh, Portland on the Willamette river and a classic Chris craft and that's com, And, uh, that's where you can find that.
0: And then what about your YouTube channel and all those other places? And maybe if someone out there listening to this has a boat for you, where where, how would they? (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, On Fire Family is our website, onfirefamily.com, all one word. And that'll get you to um, a lot of the things we've talked about, all the stories, the debt-free journey, my cancer journey, uh, financial journey, and then also a lot of the details about this great loop. And uh, what it entails, and the map of the route, and all that, that kind of thing. Uh, and then you can search for us on YouTube at uh, On Fire Family and uh, follow our journey there. Our boat shopping right now, as we get closer and closer. And then uh, once we cast the lines and uh, start moving a boat, then uh, it'll it'll become uh, more inspiration on our on our actual journey itself.
0: Fantastic! Thanks for your inspiration today. Oh, thank you, John.
1: It's a pleasure to talk to you. And it's uh, uh, good to, to know you and uh, to to be on the podcast.
0: Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at com slash podcast. Send your questions, ideas, or a simple hello to podcast at johnpolster.com. Want to stay up to date on new episodes and receive notifications of upcoming events? Register your email address at johnpolster.com slash updates.